Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750. WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It is 6.07 on a Saturday morning, 48 degrees outside of Yes, my friends, on Christmas Eve. We will have a lawn and garden show. And the good news is, today, of all days, and perhaps next Saturday, when we will have another live lawn and garden show, but today and next Saturday would be the best days all year long to get your garden question answered quickly. Because I can imagine, I'm just uh, predicting here, that there won't be that many people calling in the day before Christmas to ask their garden questions. So if you have something, something weird, something beginnerish, something expertish, if you have some odd question you've always wanted to ask, all you have to do is call me, 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Get all those numbers, and you get to talk to Ashley for a minute, and then get to talk to me for a minute, and Lord help us, we will talk together about the mysteries of horticulture, of gardening, of houseplants, of bugs, of creature critter, critter control, of all the things that I have at least a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of expertise as I spend my days and years doing my best to figure out what the plant was thinking. <laughs> After I put it in the ground, what was the plant thinking about that particular situation? And if I can just align myself with the plant's thoughts, then I will be a much better gardener and horticulturist. 404-872-0750. If I were... If I were a better horticulturist, I would have pulled and killed and gotten rid of every bit of privet hedge around my parents' farm. But, the capital BUT, from the time I was old enough to drag a logging chain, which would be about nine years old, from the time I was old enough to drag a, little log, a big logging chain behind my dad's little tractor, and coil it around the base of privet hedge, I have been pulling privet hedge away from the ditches and thickets and various hidden places full of briars around my family's farm in Fayetteville, Georgia, South Fayetteville, Georgia. And this past Wednesday, as I always do, I went to see my mother, and my brother was there as well. And uh, we spent the time pulling and cutting and getting rid of privet, which has been there now 50, 50, yeah, it's been there a long time. And it is by no means diminished from where it was 50 years ago. It is still the same amount of privet hedge as it was 50 years ago. It's along the ditch. It's back by the uh, chicken houses. It's up by the, by the corner as you come into the front driveway. It is simply privet. And the other plant that I've now learned to dislike, almost with the same vehemence that I dislike privet hedge, is Bradford pear seedlings. Now, Bradford pear by itself, somebody, whoever the breeders were, who selected and bred and cross-bred and, and finally selected this one tree they call the Bradford flowering pear, they were very, very smart people. And they knew 
that the pair from which the Bradford was 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 crossbred was an old wild pair it had thorns on it, two inches long, sharp, 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 nasty looking pear tree, and they thought, no, we'll find one that's upright, and it has white flowers in the spring, and is glossy and evergreen, and all that kind of stuff, and so that's what they selected, was a Bradford pear, and planted it. And the one thing they knew that could be a problem was if it had fruit, then it would sprout up, and that would be a real mess to control, but they said, wait a minute, Bradford pear is not self fertile. It will not pollinate itself, and therefore it won't have any fruit, and therefore the Bradford pear will be no problem in the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Except then there were other breeders who thought, you know, we can improve on the Bradford pear. So they got different clones, different uh, sources of the old wild, calorie, thorny pear, and they started breeding, crossbreeding, and selecting and finding the better ones that were more columnar, ones that were spreading, ones that had prettier white flowers, ones that had uh, better color in the fall, they had colonnade, they had white spire, they had you know, all the various other kinds of flowering pear. And now we got a problem. Because even though they're self-infertile, they are fertile when you have pollen from one clone crossing over to the other clone. And so if you have a white spire or a columnaris or some of the others that are planted near a Bradford pear, lo and behold, Bradford pear has fruit. And you've seen them. You've seen those little brown speckledy fruit about as big as the end of your finger, right? Big clusters of them. If you have Bradfords and other clones nearby, you'll see these big clusters of fruit. And yes, my friend, they are certainly fertile. And yes, they will sprout in places you don't want them to sprout. And my brother and I this past Wednesday spent... A good hour out there clipping Bradford pear, whatever you call it, wild pear seedlings, sproutings, thorny, nasty, ooh, bad things. Clipping those so that he could put his mower in the grassy area between my mom's house and Mickey Harp's property and mow that grass down. Because you can't do it when you have all those thorns because it'll puncture your tire. It is such a large thorn, it'll puncture the tire on your mower. Privet hedge, Bradford pear. Not two of my favorite plants at all. Invasive, miserable to get rid of, hard to get rid of, herbicides, pulling, thinking ugly thoughts about them. None of them work very well. They are simply uh, flora non grata in my own experience. Well, we go to the phone. Let's get out of here. I can't talk about the negative things that are happening in my life. I need to talk about the positive things that are happening in my life. And the positive thing is that I get to talk to my friend Nicole. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Mr. Reeves. I met another of your admirers and fans the other day. Okay. My dentist had me down in the chair, had me helpless. Oh, no. And he said, you know that woman that calls you at 6 o'clock in the morning? She is so charming. I so enjoyed the conversation that she has with you. I thought, oh, yeah, one more person loves Nicole and thinks that I'm not so good. But Nicole is the star of the 6 o'clock hour. Okay. <laughs> 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 Mr. Reeves. This dog on privet, you cut one, there's ten that come back. Yeah, ten oh. more. And you, if you ever let a flower, the flower, that's the seductive thing. The privet flower smells so sweet in the spring that I know a lot of people leave it up just because it smells good. And then every flower has a hundred berries, a hundred little seeds that go out and sprout everywhere. You see, uh, I line up my driveway with crepe model. Yeah. <laughs> we'll never do that again. Don't do it at... It's just, they are just, a, they're spread up everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get all this 
stuff. I mean, it's never, it's never done. Ugh. Yeah, crate whirls, they do have that tendency to have little root sprouts and sometimes seedlings. Sometimes the seeds from crate myrtle, although they are not nearly as fertile as the Bradford pear. But I have crepe myrtle seedlings that came from crepe myrtle seeds that sprout up in my landscape occasionally. In the middle of concrete, that's what it <laughs> needs to be. Good grief. <laughs> good grief, as Charlie Brown said. Good grief. Yeah, good grief. Uh, this time of the year, I go and pick up pecans, I yeah, think. Sure. And uh, I've been like five or six years that year. I mean, I pick up tons and tons every morning I was there. Yeah. Then I went back inside uh, in the back of the bank. Those three, I've been, I didn't produce for five years. Oh. And I find another place. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and this, this big old pecan, that's what I want to know. Is that an age or is just they don't produce for five years and then the environment, what's happening there? Yeah, you're very astute to think about. All of those things contribute to whether a pecan tree produces regularly or on and off or on and then one, two, three, four, five maybe years uh, off and then back on again. Putting on a pecan, just think about that nut. That nut is a large nut, and it has lots and lots of sugars and starches and things in it that take a lot of leaves on a tree to produce one pecan nut. So when a pecan tree has a big full harvest, when you're out there behind the bank picking up all those pecans, the tree itself is exhausted. If you listen, you can hear it panting, going, (gasps) (sighs) (sighs) so it's dropped all those pecans for you to enjoy. And the next year, it may, if it gets fed and watered properly, have another crop, but it's usually not as big as the first crop was. Or the next year, it may say... I'm tired of this stuff. Let's wait a while. And it just sits there and doesn't produce many pecans. And it depends a little bit on the spring drought when the flowers are on and whether they get pollinated and watered during the summertime. But you definitely, in order to have a regular harvest on a pecan, have to really be attentive to the amount of fertilizer it gets every year and the amount of water it gets during the summertime. Yours in the behind the bank didn't get what it needed. Mm, so that's the amount of uh green, you know, food from the, from the leaves. From the environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the leaves is, the number of leaves on the tree is very, very important. There's nothing else that eats sunshine like a leaf on a tree. And they eat sunshine, convert it to the starches and sugars and things like that that need to be, you know, made into a pecan nut. So if they don't so get the number of leaves, they don't have pecans. The one that I got right now, I mean, it was just full. But it is so big, I was thinking maybe it's the oldest they get, mm. the more they produce, or maybe it's I, its last, yeah, it's last I think production. Age has something to do with it, because the age means that there's a little less uh, rapid growth at the ends of the branches. Down in South Georgia, where they have pecan trees, you know, acres and acres and acres of pecan trees, uh, they have pruners that go up into the tree and prune them properly, so they always have some new, vigorous growth coming on the tree, so they don't age out. But if they age out, like yours has, it doesn't have nearly the growth on it that it should to make new pecans every year. So next to it, there's a big conifer, okay? Yeah. <laughs> He's real. He lost all his leaves, so it's not going to come back, isn't it? Mm, I don't know. If it were a uh, ball cypress or a dawn redwood, ball cypress and dawn redwood would both lose their needles in the wintertime. Maybe that's what you have. All, all of it? All of it? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, Don Redwood down by the airport. There, oh, five or six Don Redwoods, and then there's a little line of, of uh, ball cypress on 85 as you go around the curve near the overpass where the runway is. I I could take you there right this minute. All right, all right. So I was just desperate because there's a line uh, in the back of a, a fire station. Yeah. And they all real, and I said, "Oh shoot!" I the bet they are Dawn Redwood or Ball. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Didn't know that. Well, speaking of going places, I need to get out of here because, as you know, I got a break, and Jason gets all excited if I don't hit my break just right. So I will see you next Saturday. Merry Christmas, Nicole. Merry Christmas, Mister Reeve. We'll Enjoy your day. We'll see you soon. It's nine. Oh, excuse me, six nineteen. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Here comes Hanukkah, so much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah. Hanukkah, first night of Hanukkah, coming up Christmas Hanukkah and Hanukkah at the same time right now. Quick weather update, brought to you by Ackerman Security. Basically, it's going to be a pretty nice day today, partly cloudy all day long, highs in the upper 60s, get out of here, upper 60s, right now it's 47, that's about the low that we'll see tonight, and then tomorrow about maybe 50 degrees overnight, and pretty interesting day tomorrow as well, not a whole lot of rain in the forecast, your full weekend forecast Comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Coming up in the next, oh boy, in the next half hour, we're going to have some great questions. A question about how to uh, choose the right azaleas, which ones are big, which ones are small, how to grow celery in Atlanta. We'll deal with those in just a few minutes. Right now, Tyler is in Danielsville, and Tyler joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Tyler. Hey, Walter. How are you? Morning. I'm doing great. What's up? Doing good. Um, property, and we're my wife's got two big trees there. I think it's about a year old. They're about three foot tall. Yeah. If I had to get um, probably about the same wide, if not a little wider, um, she wanted to take those two trees to the new property. Yeah. Are those movable at this point? How easy would that be, and what would I need to do? Do you want me to say no or yes, Tyler? <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's but a subtext point, here. Of, done, she wants them the moved, now. and Tyler is going to move them, and so does Tyler want to move them? No, Tyler does not. But happy wife, happy life, right? Exactly, and the answer is yes, you can move them. You can decide how you're going to break that, break the news to your beloved wife that you don't want to move them. But yeah, three feet tall and three feet wide is not a big fig at all, and they can be moved, and now is a perfect time to do it. The ground is moist. And so Tyler and his shovel get out there and dig. You know, Tyler, if you if you want to get her to help, you can really do this best with two people. If you'll soak the ground around the fig, maybe tonight, make it really soggy around it, and then tomorrow get her to pull while you shovel loosely and try to examine roots and pull the whole darn thing up bare-rooted as best you can. Just get as many, many, many roots as you possibly can manage. And when you get all those roots up, then, you know, if you have a way to keep them moist for the next day or move them to the new house, whatever you got. Uh, but they got to have full sun and room. That's the biggest thing that can cause strife in a marriage is, why did you plant the fig tree so close to the garage or the driveway? It hits my car every time I go in and out. 
give them room. They need to have at least 10, 15 feet maybe on the side between them and any other structure or driveway or sidewalk or anything like that. Full sun, a little bit of room. Fig preserves. Happy wife, happy Tyler. You're going to have some fig preserves real, real soon. Thanks for calling Tyler at 628 at News Talk WSB. Back to more lawn and garden right after news. 404-872-0750. Live and festive in the public's Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635, 47 degrees outside. It is not as cold as you would think. For being the second or third day of wintertime right now, 47 degrees is actually pretty nice. Jacket on. You can rake leaves this afternoon. You can plant bulbs. You can do all sorts of things. There's lots of uh, potential in the garden. If you have an idea of what your potential might be today, you can call me at 404-872-0750. We'll get to Sandy in just a minute as well. She called about her Bermuda sod is not looking quite the same color. What's going on with that? Danny joins us right now. Hey, Danny. Good morning. Hello. Hey, Hey, Danny. Hello, Walter. What you got? Uh, Yes, we got about 14 acres of uh, planted pines uh, that we went in there and thinned them out. Yeah. And... uh, want to plant uh, azaleas, but we, I didn't know what time of the year, and I like the bigger, bushier type azaleas. Yeah, well, right now, hey, Danny, right now is a great time to plant them, and the thing you're looking for, I think, a lot is going to be native azaleas, because native azaleas are bigger, bushier, taller, they're blooming at a different time from the springtime, uh, April azaleas. And you might want to mix in a little bit of um, what I call Indian or Indica azaleas as well. They're big and bushy. If you've got a big area to cover, I understand what you mean. You want something big. You want something that covers some ground and not those little bitty Asian azaleas that bloom in the spring that are you know, three or four feet tall and three or four feet wide. You want something big, five feet wide, six feet wide. And the Indica azaleas are that way. They have big flowers. Um, and the native azaleas, many of the shrubby native azaleas can get five, six, seven feet tall. Some of the big ones down at Callaway Gardens are 10 and 12 feet tall. And so scattering those into the woods would be really nice. Now, the question, Danny, really is how are you going to find them right now? It is difficult to find shrubbery to plant. Some of the nurseries, Pike certainly has them in select nurseries around Tail, but most of the nurseries, of course, have been filled up with Christmas trees. Pike certainly has for the past month or so. And so call and ask, do you have any native azaleas in stock? Do you know another pike around that has the native azaleas, has some indica azaleas? And plant those. I think you'd be very, very pleased with them. They will take up a lot of room in the woods that you've cleared out there. And uh, I think it looked really nice. Thanks for calling, Danny. It's 637, and that gives uh, who? Shelby. Shelby, Shelby, Shelby. Joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Shelby. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. What do you uh, want to do, Shelby? Well, I've tried three different times to cut off the, about two inches of the stalk of my celery yeah. just as an experiment, stick it down in a pot, yeah. and it'll grow to about four inches high, and I keep it really good and wet, uh, and then it just kind of falls over. So I'm wondering, is that just something I should give up on? Um, 
Or is there something maybe I should do differently? Yeah, a year ago, a year ago, Shelby, I would have said, oh, give up, give it up. You're not going to grow celery here in Georgia and McDonough and this stuff where celery grows. And then a company sent me a celery plant called Peppermint Stick. I don't think I've ever seen it at a nursery around. I'm sure you can find it online, but peppermint stick celery. They sent it to me in the spring of 2015. And I just at the time poo-pooed it. Thought that's not going to last the summertime. No big deal. And I planted it in a bed that didn't get a lot of attention from me. I watered it once or twice, I guess. It was looking good in October of 2015. And I thought, well, the winter will kill it. Nothing wrong here. Come spring of 2016, gum of peppermint stick celery was not looking fabulous. It was about a foot and a half tall, about a foot and a half wide. And it lasted all summer until probably July when Mr. Reeves and his watering can did not visit often enough over there. And it died away in the drought. So, Shelby, if you want to go look for some peppermint stick celery, you might be more successful with it than trying to root the stuff out of the grocery store. Well, it was just a fun thing to try, and it was fun to watch it Oh, it always is. I mean, rooting carrots, rooting pineapples, rooting celery, rooting uh, turnips. I've rooted turnips, sweet potatoes, ginger. In fact, I've got a little patch of ginger growing behind the house that I grew from a a root that I got from the grocery store last uh, spring, and it's seemingly looking pretty good. I harvested some of the roots this fall and grated them up real good and put them in a salad. So in a soup, it actually was a soup that I put the ginger in. Well, does, it does it typically need a lot of water? Um, you can't let it dry out. I think drying out was the <laughs> was the decline on the celery that I had, and mine was in it was in full sun. It was in darn full sun in that bed. It was really good soil. That was the one thing that probably kept it alive during the heat of, of 2015. Um, but beyond that, you and me, we're on the beta testing crew. We'll find out if celery will grow in Georgia. If you can successfully root it and grow it, Shelby, let me know. Okay. Uh, maybe I needed more sun in the window because I think it was just partial sun or, you know, Yeah, daylight. once it gets good and rooted in the window, then it needs to go outside. Maybe try a couple of times again this winter and by springtime when April rolls around, plant it outside so you can get it to grow outside then. Okay, I'll follow up with you later. All right, I'll help, hope to hear from you. See you soon, Thank Shelby. You. Bye. We've got Sandy in Alpharetta with her Bermuda grass. It doesn't look quite right. What is going on, Sandy? Hey, good morning, Walter. Good morning. Um, well, I had a guy in my neighborhood do my front lawn installation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he did it in the winter time, and the only sod that he get, the Bermuda that he could get, was from Florida. All right. And he said, well, sod is sod. So I didn't know, you know, it makes <laughs> <All any right. laughs> so, so he put it in, and he got probably three-quarters, seven-eighths of the lawn done. And then he ran out, and he uh. had to go get some more sod. And the only sod he could get this time was from around here. Okay. So he put that kind of in the back. But what I noticed was... The sod from Florida is like it looks lower. It, um, it looks it, it looks finer, and it's a different color than the sod that's from around here. Huh. When was this done, Sandy? This it was winter? last February, I think. Okay, back in the. So then I got to thinking. Well, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe there's there's a reason why <laughs> Florida side is not going to do well here. So I just wanted to see what you thought about it. Hmm. 
All right. Different. There are different varieties of Bermuda grass, and if you put, uh, let's say, Tiftuff Bermuda next to Florida 419 or Tifton 419 Bermuda, they will look a little different. But Bermuda grass varieties, for the most part, are similar enough that you won't see much difference usually for the naked common you and me eyeball. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's that's the sided Bermudas, and then there's common Bermuda, the stuff that comes up from seed, and a lot of people call it a weed when it gets into their flower beds. But there are a number of lawns around Atlanta that are common Bermuda. It does look a good bit different away from the sodded type Bermudas. And what I'm wondering here, because it's been in the ground, it, it grew green during the summer, right, Sandy? Yeah, but you could still see a difference in, mm-hmm. it was like a lighter color green. You could still see a difference between that and the side that was from around here. All right. Here is your homework. I got homework for you. Okay. When we hang up, go outside, and on each patch of sod, stand on it and lift your foot and press down and lift and press down and lift and press down. And note the texture of this grass under your foot. Under one under one patch that you have, one of the sides that he put down, and then go to the other patch and lift your foot, push it down, lift your foot, push it down, lift your foot, push it down, and see what the texture feels like there. Because my suspicion here is it's possible that your neighborhood landscape dude put zoysia grass at first or second. I'm not sure which would be first or second, but put zoysia grass and Bermuda grass, and the two have a markedly different texture where your foot goes up and goes down on it. The zoysia grass feels like carpet with padding. That's what you'll feel for, is carpet with padding. It's definite. You don't have any mistake in your mind. This is thick, and it feels like carpet with padding. And the Bermuda grass most often will feel like carpet with no padding. Not hard to tell the difference if you just stand on one, stand on the other. You say, oh, man, this thick stuff, that's the zoysia right there. And this thin stuff that's still green, it looks nice, that's the Bermuda grass. That is a possibility. That is something you're going to have to figure out. But that is a that would fit the description you've given me. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's completely. I just thought it was Florida Bermuda, and it was. And then when we get a cold winter, I'm thinking it's all going to die. Yeah. Yeah. It's a brown. Yeah. Try right, check well, it and I'll see, Sandy. The only other way that I have for you to tell the difference between the two is to wait until. Early to mid-May of next year when the seed heads come up. And if you just make a little corner maybe of each patch that you do not mow, but mark it off with a flag or something like that, don't mow in this corner, and wait for the seed heads to appear. Zoysia seed heads are like a little black spike. They stick up out of the ground about five inches, I guess, and they're black, and it is literally a spike that comes out of the ground. Whereas Bermuda seed heads come up and they look like a little umbrella with white ribs on the umbrella so they come up a little stem and then the various ribs stick off three or four or five uh, directions so once you see the seed heads you for sure know which grass you have all right thank you very much go stomp on that grass and we'll see what happens (laughs) all right i'll do it thank you thanks for calling it's 45 minutes past the hour coming up now brother george in milner georgia hey george good morning how are you today? I'm all right, George. What's up? All right. Three years ago, my jalapenos and my bell peppers were planted in big tubs. Yeah. I brought them in the basement in the wintertime, and they've done fine. They didn't really produce much fruit, but when I bring them back out in the spring, they just 
They've been huge producers these mm. last two years. Wow, good for you, George. Okay, this year I moved them in the basement, and I gave them miracle Grow and watered them real well while it was still warm and felt like I had them healthy. Yeah. And now they're in the basement again this year, and they really look wilted. And I wondered mm. if there was something that I – did I over-fertilize them? Did I – are they going to die? Is there something I can do to make them look? What kind of light are you giving them in the basement, George? Uh, there's a lot of natural light. The basement has windows on two sides. And then I've got two fluorescent grow tubes over them, same okay. as in the last two years. Okay, all right. That, that might be enough then. I mean, light is the thing to me that always is going to be a limiting factor with peppers indoors because peppers are a light-loving little plant. As you know, they, make, they love the light because that makes the capsaicin that makes the peppers hot that's what george wants let's get on with the light and why it is declining in your basement i mean honestly it may just be age of plant peppers are not made to be perennial plants they're not made to grow like a pine tree for years and years and years and so it's possible those peppers have just hit the the edge of their age range for that particular plant you need to pull them up and get some seeds and plant the seeds next spring okay that's the same thing my wife said. Oh, my goodness, we're in agreement. And <laughs> you are the loser, <laughs> So I think that me and your wife uh, have, and you know, one good thing about this, you always look for the bright side of life. The silver lining is you don't have to mess with the peppers during the, during the uh, wintertime, water and get the lights on them and play with them and discuss them with your wife and people at parties. You can just say, oh, the heck with the peppers. They're out of here. We're going to deal with that next spring. So... Think about that positively, George. You don't have to mess with the peppers anymore. Thank you for calling, George, at 648. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Not bad, Jason B. Scott Maxson would be proud of you. That is some good music, some good weather bumper music coming in here. A little hippie potty must. Uh, quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, high around 60. Jason, are you sure about this? 68 degrees this afternoon. Wow, it's going to be warm this afternoon. And low around 50 degrees overnight right now. It's 48.2 degrees outdoors. Partly cloudy all day long. A great day for getting outside and gardening. If you have a question about what you need to be doing, 404-872-0750. The full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes. 404-872-0750. Faye is at Monroe and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Faye, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? I have a question about my pink guara plant. Guara, yeah. I love it. It's just so pretty. It is a terrific plant. For it's, listeners who want to know what a terrific plant looks like, guara uh, what is it sometimes called? Fairy wand, I think is another name for it, but it's a tall, usually yours is what, three feet tall? Two and a half? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And has little pink flowers up and down, these multiple stems on it, very airy, and the wind when it makes it go back and forth is real, real pretty plant. It is. I love it. 
So what's the question? Well, I need to know. It, it has died back, but I need to know if I should cut it back or wait till spring. I can't find any information on the Internet. It looks pretty bad now. You're going to get me stepping in, <laughs> stepping in this pile of discussion that I've had for now 20 years. It is all about lantana that I get into heated discussions with other gardeners about what to do about lantana, Miss Huff lantana particularly, in the wintertime. There's a huge, vehement crowd of gardeners who believe that Miss Huff lantana should never be cut down until it has new green sprouts in the spring. Okay. And there's another a equally vehement crowd of gardeners who say, oh, cut the lantana down in the wintertime. It looks ugly when it's all you know, leafy and stems and things like that. Cut it down. not going to hurt anything. I fall in the lantana crowd who cuts theirs down. My mother's bush is, oh my God, Faye, it's at least five and a half, maybe almost six feet tall, 10 feet wide. Been growing there for 10, 12 years probably. I cut it back every fall and winter whenever I get my hedge trimmers down there, and it does fine. And your gara, (laughs) I think you can cut it back too without any problem at all. Okay. It will make my garden, and I use the term garden loosely. Oh, yeah, we all do. It will uh, make it look uh, neater. A little bit neater, yes. And that's the deal with the the lantana, too, is, gosh, it just sprawls everywhere and doesn't look like anything that makes a smile in your heart when you walk by your garden. Lantana and some of the summertime uh, perennials, the uh, um, echinacea, purple... um, yeah, purple coneflower and oxide daisies, some of the shasta daisies and things like that. All there are stems right now. Come on, cut them down. Okay. If you, if you have seeds that the birds eat on, we'll pick them, put them up over in the fence where the birds can get to them. But <sighs> cut them down. That's my advice. Cut, cut, uh, how far should I leave any stem at all, or just yeah, take... leave about two or three inches. Okay, good. Okay, thank you. All right. All Thanks right, for bye-bye. calling, Faye. Now you would say that Mr. Reeves is just all ignorant about cutting back lantana, but Mr. Reeves has done an experiment, not at my mother's house, but at the local elementary school. There was a big, wide, long range of lantana beside the uh, air conditioning unit behind the elementary school, and I asked one of my friends who's a teacher there, do me a science project with one of your fifth graders and see what happens, and they did indeed, as I asked, they cut back half the lantana and did not cut back the other half of the antenna. They reported to me in uh, early May of mm, it's been a couple of years ago now, and the lantana on both sides came back just fine. Either way, I love you. Whether you're on the cutting back lantana or not the cutting back lantana, either way is fine with me. You decide what you want to do. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lion Garden. We'll talk to Rob about his olive tree and Dan about his pompous grass right after news. One for each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago.